Hey everybody, it's Madison Schill here, and I'm the founder of Sula Po. Welcome to a third episode of the Under the Skin podcast. Today I'm very excited to interview my sweet, dear friend, Olivia Colacci. She is a hairstylist and also the founder and CEO of 27 Toronto, which is an incredible multifaceted hair and makeup studio based in Toronto that I love so much, both for its incredible ability to create the flawless blonde hair to the most perfect beachy wave to the most amazing curtain bang to just having the best products. I think the best brushes I've ever found are from there. They have these beautiful special pieces from Paris. And I I don't know, I sp- especially during all of the the current situation now happening with COVID, she has really dug deep and sort of started to embrace her community by Um, selling a complimentary bouquet of flowers with every online order to hand-delivering, contact-free, of course, each each order um, to everybody in Toronto that purchases something, to supporting small businesses herself, even though she herself is a small business. And so it's, it's from that that I really just deeply have so much admiration for her. And I am thrilled that she was able to carve out some time today to chat with all of us. So without further ado, here is Olivia. You will learn so much and feel so great and inspired after, and I'll see you on the other side. So hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Under the Skin podcast. I am so excited to be presenting Olivia Colacci here. Olivia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. We had a lot of fun audio issues today, but this is the reality of COVID-19. So (laughs) Olivia, just chat with us about, you know, what you're, what you do presently, how you arrived at this space and what it is that you love so much about hair and, and the beauty space. Okay. Presently, I'm watching a lot of Netflix. Yeah. As I'm sure everybody is. I turned 30 this year. So 12, 13 years ago doing hair right out of high school and started traveling. I moved to Milan to study hair and makeup. And I worked in fashion for a good 10 years. Um, what were you doing? doing? I was doing, while I was in Europe, I was mostly doing photo um, runway hair. So I was working on teams with um, really like top hairstylists, such as Guido Palau and Sam McKnight. James Touches, and I was part of their teams working on all of the shows. What was that like? To do. Uh, exhausting. <laughs> it was like, it's called Fashion Week, but really it's a month that happens four times a year. So yeah. you could spend your entire year just doing that. And yeah, so I used to, I used to live in Milan, but um, yeah, I would go two, three, four times a year, as much as I could handle, because it is a lot, Yeah. and do the hair for the shows, and then I was living in Miami, so I would spend my winters there working um, on photo shoots, doing hair and makeup there, and then split my time between Toronto, and now I'm full-time in Toronto, and I opened up 27 two years ago, next month. Congratulations also. That's amazing. Truly amazing. I I mean, the thing that I always think about is I could only imagine that the sort of standards of beauty and what is quote unquote considered in fashion or trendy at each of those kind of different chunks of time in your life must have been so dramatically different, like living in Miami and then going to Milan and doing like high, high fashion. And, you know, how like... 
I think for me, like that's where I've evolved over the years is now I'm not focused on, you know, those high fashion references of like a Chanel show or Jumanji show or anything like that. It's now I want the regular everyday girl or guy and what makes them feel beautiful. Right. So it's, you know, I mean, I spent most of my career selling this false (laughs) sense of beauty And now I'm more focused on um, how to teach somebody how to do their hair every day to make them feel beautiful and not needing extensions and not needing fake eyelashes and not needing all of this extra stuff that I spent so long working behind the scenes. So I think that comes with age. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, after seeing, I guess it's like you work backstage, you put so many extensions in somebody and then your next client comes and is like, I want to look like this. She looks so natural. I'm like, I did that hair. It took four hours. It was not natural. Yeah. No, she did not come in looking like that. How did it change, you know, your perspective when you, I mean, did you, is there anything that you learned from working backstage with all of these greats, these amazing hairstylists that you now feel like you actually can take into the real world or is all of it purely another fantasy, you know, purely for that world only? I mean, I can give you beachy waves in three minutes and you'll go home and try it. It'll take you three hours. Yeah. So I can definitely, like, do that kind of hair in three minutes effortlessly. Yeah. But I did, like, I did learn. I know most of, like, the tricks and how to get to the photo that you show me or the kind of hair that you want or anything like that. But I think it's more now asking people, like, why do they want that? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? I, I think that's what I'm realizing now. People will show me a picture, and I'm like, you don't want that hair. You want blue eyes. Yeah. Or, you you actually want blonde hair. You don't want that haircut, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just figuring that out. That's cool. Which, That's really cool. It seems yeah. to me like you actually have the time now to think about the person, whereas I don't know. I, I feel like personally, having worked on the other side of the chair, like when I was the model in the shows, you know, you are told to execute a look. It doesn't matter how you feel about oh, it. Oh, it like, doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah. It's, it's like you're literally a, a mannequin. Yeah, totally. And so many times now, like I'll even be out with friends and somebody's taking a photo and I just like will go right in and fix somebody's hair and give some lip gloss to somebody or something. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, there's personal boundaries. I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> I just like, I'm used to it. Yeah. And nobody says anything. No, because so, you can't. But I, I mean, get that. And, and, and so, you know, through all of this and all this experience, what was that one, that one reason that made you want to flip and, and kind of be full-time, be really in this, have your own business? What was that reason that's really shaped the next chapter of your career? Um, I don't know if there's specifically one reason. I think I wanted to put some roots down and, you know, living in Europe, living in the States, uh, I think comes with age two where, you know, you look at politics, you look at healthcare, and I'm like, where do I want to live the rest of my life? And I'm so happy to be Canadian, and I wanted to put my roots down here. So I wanted to start something here that everybody that I've known for so long can come to. You know, it wasn't when I was traveling, people would be like, when are you back in town in Toronto so that I can get my hair done or get this done or whatnot? Right. So now it's like a place that people have somewhere to go. And even if I'm not there, and um, they can still go shop, do whatever they need to do, and they feel that safe space because I don't think that that really, 
I don't want to say it doesn't exist because I don't know every place, but I do know that I've created something, which I wasn't even trying to create. It kind of just happened. And I guess it's a, I feel like it's a, like it complements me. It's a reflection of me because it just happened that way. I didn't try to make it something. It's just become this thing that is comfortable. Totally. I, I agree. It feels like that too. And having known you before a little through the internet world and after, it, it, just, it just feels like a place that you've always wanted to exist in the world, which by extension, because you work with so many different women, like we've all needed as well, um, which I think is a really hard thing to do, but you've made it seem really easy. Yeah, I don't know. I think the fashion world, I'm a bit jaded by it. Yeah, of course. I'm honest. Yeah. So... I think, like, yeah, I did my time in that, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I learned so many things. I've seen so many things that you can't even imagine. But also having a younger sister and nieces and things and seeing what they see in the media and what they think is beautiful, and it's like, whoa, that's so twisted. I contributed to those things. Do you have any crazy stories that you would want to share about just, like, a moment that you have never forgotten about that's been funny or scary or crystallizing for you funny scary crystallizing (laughs) I mean I think it's changed changing now I don't want to say it's changed but uh, the treatment of everybody whether it be models hair makeup backstage staff um, stylists like everybody like it is not glamorous at all yeah and everybody thinks oh, you're going to fashion and you're so lucky going to Paris. I'm like, you're going to eat the best food and you're going to do the best. I'm like, you're lucky if I get to drink water. Yeah. Like, they, you know how it is. You've yeah. been there. Yeah. Um, you're expected to just, like, work through the night at uh, their casting or fitting, going right into a show. So I don't think it's one specific thing. I think it's an overall of, like, it's great to be doing these big shows but then you have to like look at like how are you being treated? Right. Right. And is this like in what world is this okay? Is there a way in, in which that you think it's even possible to like, you know, consistently go do the fashion week, do the shows and not burn out at the end? Is is there a possible future where you can do this and that's your career? Or is it just like, like a higher performance athlete where you do the work and then you retire and then you have something that's a lot more sustainable. If I was to talk to my younger self and tell her everything that she was going to have to do, I don't know that I would do that again. If you work for free for so long, you work, you're not treated well. Yeah. And it takes so long to get to that point where you're respected. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, like decades. And yeah, so... I don't know if it's something that I would want to do the way that it if, that it was. Right. Now maybe it's like it's changing and it's going to be something different. And and it was changing on like my way out. Like yeah. I was actually planning to go to Paris for September shows, but I don't think with COVID that that's something I want to do and I don't even know if they're going to happen. Truly. But yeah, I just can't see all those people getting back into a room together and like there's barely any 
space to breathe. So I mean, I've talked to people and it's like either a hundred percent. Yes, it's happening or it's a hundred percent. No way. Is it possible? You had a really great point where is it, if it were to happen, it would be so different and it would be, you know, you'd have to have it in these huge spaces with all the models. So, so separated and the different teams would be so much more pared down. And so it's interesting. It would I mean, be exclusive. Again. I, I don't think anything can be 100%. And I think if anything, if COVID's taught us anything, it's that overnight the world can shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I see on the business of fashion on their Instagram, people are commenting like, cause they asked the same question and it was like, um, people are commenting, yes, it's for sure, 100% confirmed. And, like, the Olympics were confirmed. Yeah. Every, like, life was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Going to work tomorrow was confirmed. Yeah. Further than that, I think, you know, so much of what you do on a day-to-day basis now revolves around um, touch, being tactile, being collaborative. And how has COVID impacted you now in your business? Well, I've had to switch completely to trying to survive via online sales. Right, yeah which is great because you helped me set up my online store a year or two ago. Amazing. I'm so grateful for that. No, I'm um, so glad that you had the foresight to, to do that and so quickly because, I mean, it's so smart. So, so smart. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually enjoying it and I'm enjoying spending this time at home now learning how to be more technologically savvy, I guess. Right, right. Uh, learning the ins and outs of Shopify and marketing and you know, it's it's just me. I don't really have anybody to call on for, I mean, my younger sister, she's probably sick of answering my phone calls because <laughs> she's in business and I'm like, is this a good idea? What do you think of this? And she's like, she's the boss, <laughs> even though I'm the boss. But yeah, I've had to learn how to do consultations over the phone, over FaceTime. Um, there's a chat section on my website that you can chat with me and I feel like I'm playing 20 questions with the amount of questions that I do ask people to try to recommend the right product for them from before I could look and touch and in two seconds identify what the problem was and fix it now I'm flexing other muscles to figure it out is is there one lesson that you think that you've learned from this experience that you you find yourself thinking oh my god I can't believe I wasn't doing this before or I think not working is kind of not a good thing. I don't want to say that because there's so many things that give me anxiety that come along with it. But uh, I think taking a break is okay. And spending the day in bed is okay. And I didn't have the opportunity to do that before without feeling so guilty. Yeah, totally. So I think if I've learned one thing, um, is to take more time for myself. You know, having a hobby is a good thing. Having time to do something for yourself makes you better at your job. It's so true. I, I think our culture is, I mean, I'm the same. It's, we don't have hobbies anymore. I find that, you know, if, yeah. you, if, if you find that you're good at one thing, it immediately has to become a side hustle and you have to find a way to monetize it. And sometimes exactly, you just need to do something for the joy of doing that thing. Um, I am right there with you. I am learning to just try to find a way to do that and remove the part of my brain that, that requires me for some reason to need to make everything into a side hustle. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And I don't know how I was programmed. It's actually bizarre. But the other day, uh, I think my boyfriend went out to go get something from the grocery store and comes home. And I was like, I was like, I was so productive. These are all the things that I did. Yeah. you could have stayed here and did nothing. Like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. 
No, it's true. I was like, because I wasn't just lying in bed. I was, I was doing things for work. And he's like, you could just lie in bed though. That's okay. I always feel like if I'm not at work or if I'm on my computer or if I'm on my phone, I have to have something productive happening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't need that. And I'm learning that. But it's hard, it's hard to like take that and just like detangle that knot that has told us for year after year after year after year that you don't have to always be productive because it's easy for us to tell each ourselves this, but I I know that, you know, at night or every, sometimes there's like a Sunday morning where I have a really big twang in my heart that, that tells me I have to go and get on my computer and write an extra newsletter or write an extra email. And where, where does that come from? I mean, well, I, (laughs) for me, I mean, I, if I look at you, I think you've grown up with how many siblings you have like seven siblings right? Yeah. You have six siblings. Like you're all so strong. You're all so entrepreneurial. I feel right. Like Mm -hmm. you guys all had to sort of like fend for yourself. Yeah. Maybe my dad, he's an immigrant. So I feel like he was always like a hustler. Yeah. So always working or with something. So I guess I got, I got some of that. Yeah. I mean, for me on my side, I remember clearly when I said I was going to start modeling, Uh, at 15, my dad said to me, okay, well, if you're going to do it, you need to prove to us that you can be financially sustainable on your own. um, Because, you know, you need to prove it to us that you're able to actually take this seriously. And since I was 15, that's been my driving mode, even to a point where my parents are like, yeah, you don't like just chill for a second. You've been like this since you were a child. And you don't have to constantly tell us what you're doing every day. Like we, we like we care. We don't care. We trust you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I haven't lived with my parents since I was 17 now. So because of COVID, I'm I'm been living with them for five weeks, right? So I'm learning that I actually have this issue. Like when my mom will wake me up in the morning and ask me what I'm going to do for the day, and I actually may have the day off or it's a weekend. I'll start frantically listing off all of these random work ideas that I have and she'll just be like, I'm not asking so that you can prove to me that work you're working. Wise, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's a cool time to, to realize that. So I think hopefully we both kind of check For in sure. and can grow. But um, I also was wondering, just on the creative side of things, there are so many people who listen to this podcast that you know, are in the same boat as us. We They work in the creative space. They're artists, they're makers, and a lot of that is community-based. And so... Do you have any advice for creators that have taken this time to think about what they want and maybe want to be going on the same path as you and create something of their own and anything that you wish you had known when you wanted to start on 27? The advice I would give to anybody is like, you will never have enough money. You will never have enough time. You will never have enough of anything. So if you want to do something and you're making excuses for yourself, like, oh, when I get this, I will do this. When I do like, and I've done that. Yeah. There's no way on how to get there or when to get there. It's just like do it now or you're going to keep making the excuses forever. Yeah. That's such good advice. It's so simple but I mean, so good. I mean, it's simple, but I I wrote down 27 as a, a New Year's resolution. I'm very goal-oriented. Wow. And I was like, okay, 2018, I think it was, um, write a business plan. That's my goal. Wow. And I started writing it in January and by, I think it was February, I had signed a lease. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, once you're doing the research, you're kind of in it and you're like, well, why am I going to look at places now if I'm not going to be able to rent them for another year or when am I going to be ready? 
and you just adjust. Yeah. You know, I didn't have enough time, but I was like working on spreadsheets till like one in the morning. Mm-hmm. You find the time, you make the time when you're passionate about something, mm-hmm. it'll work out. Mm-hmm. If you're truly into something and you have a good idea and you can stand by it, it'll work out. Yeah. No, I so, and you can feel it too. I mean, when we first met, I think it was the spring of that year and yeah, you know, your, your studio was taking shape and you just, I just so believed in your concept and it's, you can feel it. Your clients feel the same way. I know. Is there anything that someone's told you that's really stuck with you along your journey? Yes. My best friend, (laughs) my best friend, Steph told me that life is not a competition and I am coming from a big family. I'm the most competitive person. I'm competitive with other people. I'm competitive with myself and there's, there's no finish line. Like you just keep going. So stop being so competitive. It's not worth it. You don't get ahead. You don't get anything except for disappointment. Mm -hmm. So that is, Oh, I'm still being competitive 100%, but that's one thing I keep at the back, in the back of my mind, try to keep it, bring it to the front of my mind. But yeah, competition, I need to be less competitive. I mean, I also really wanted to pivot a little bit towards some fun stuff, talking a little bit more about hair and, and just, you know, you see all of the memes, A, about the Tiger King haircut and B, about, you know, what will happen if we all try to trim our bangs at home. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. So, I'm so scared to go back to work. <laughs> we're all going to... It's really bad, honestly. I'm terrified. <laughs> but your, yeah, your job's going to be really, really interesting for the next couple of months after COVID. I, I'm so excited to hear. But what what if you could just tell everyone, you know, one thing to, to not do right now, aside from cutting Don't their... Don't color your hair. Okay, Don't yeah. Don't color it. Like, that is... I think that's the number one thing, and it's my DMs are full of people saying, "Hey, I I put this color on, and it's my my roots are orange now." Oh no! It's like, I hope you understand what I do for a living, and now you appreciate me more. But I don't have a quick fix for you. I don't have a solution. Like, yeah, that is why I do what I do. Yeah, and yeah. that's why you pay for it yeah. because it's more than just applying a color to your roots. So, sorry, I didn't even let you finish speaking. Was that the question? That was the question. <laughs> you did a great, that's truly it. But I mean, the thing is, like, I know we had talked a bit earlier and the one thing that you told me that I had never thought about, which is really bad, is just, you know, now is a great time for treatments. Like I um, stole my mom's Olaplex from her shower because she's blonde, so she has it. And I, yeah. you know, I left it in, I think for about 40 minutes or so. I don't, I'm not a fan of overnight treatments because I feel like I'm going to ruin yeah. my skin when you like roll around and sleep all right, over right, everything. Right. So what, what are your, like the best masks that you could possibly invest in right now just to keep your hair not looking like a Brillo pad, which is currently where I'm existing. That would be I great. I think right now what I'd want people to do because A, you have time and People are always in a rush and nobody brushes their hair. Like invest in a good hairbrush. Right. Because the best treatment you can buy is free and that's your natural oils. Right. So if you brush your hair, you're going to move those oils around. You're going to hydrate your hair, your ends. I mean, I support hair masks as well. But I think right now, since you have the time to like 
do some research on hairbrushes, right. when to brush your hair, how to brush your hair. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times I have clients in the salon and they're like, here, I'll brush it. I can do it faster. It's so tangly. Jesus. And I'm like, it's not about fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to rip. And I give them the brush and I watch for a second and I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense now. Yeah. So learning how to brush your hair and it sounds stupid and simple, but it actually can change. And I have so many clients that message me now and they're like, thank you, my hair. I mean, if you have curly hair, the right time to brush it is when it's wet and you're in the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just knowing when to do it for all types of hair you think about like dentists and whenever we all have like gum issues or teeth issues it's never like oh the toothpaste you use is wrong it's like how you brush right and it's sort of the same thing for your hair I never have thought about that at all I'm (laughs) my hair has been in a bun for the past five weeks so I'm going to make sure that I brush it same here I actually haven't brushed my hair in a very long time but my skin see it's funny I do hair every day and I don't want to touch my hair but my skincare routine is like on fire I have like 25 <laughs> products I'm using I'm like what are you loving great. what are you loving right now I'd love to know uh living living libations oh yeah loving. okay what are you yeah. using the rose oil or what which one I am using you really want to know okay. yeah yeah so sea buckthorn buskin ever mm. all over my face nice and then the soothsayer serum and then under my eyes is open sky rollerball which is amazing it tingles and it wakes up your eyes and that's probably my favorite thing right now and then I put the um I think it's called sundi or sundew cream oh yeah sundew that That one looked really nice I was on your website and looking at that that one looks really special they they seem to be really nice I think you know, if anyone is finding that they're breaking out quite a bit and have, have a lot of, you know, hormonal breakouts just due to the stress of, of living right now, uh, there's a lot of really rich fatty oils in those products that can be really nice to keep the skin hydrated and, and that sort of thing. So it's a great choice. I'm, I'm happy that you're it's, soothing it's yourself. It's even changed the texture of my skin, which is amazing. Oh, that's so nice. Any final words of advice you want to share with people before they head out and conquer their day today? Don't cut your bangs. This is very Just important. Wait for it. Pin them up. <laughs> Thank Don't you. Don't touch your hair. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Olivia. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Of course.